Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my lit yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today, we're going to discuss plyometrics. Plyo is a word that you might have heard before or maybe not heard before. And it is a type of exercise that I try and implement every single day in my classes. And I will tell you the reason why. But first of all, let me tell you what it is if you're not familiar with the term. So plyometrics, also known as plyo, is a little different from other forms of exercise that you might be familiar with, which is movements that are designed to make you stronger, build body mass, um, or muscle strength. Plyometric exercises are quick and more explosive, explosively designed movements to increase speed and power. So the way that um, I often think of plyometrics is anything that involves some kind of jump, you know, some kind of um, place where you're leaving the ground and then you're coming back down. So plyometrics were originally actually called jump training and they were used as a form of like repetitive jumping to help increase speed and explosiveness for Russian track and field athletes. Started um, with some scientists during the Cold War, started um, working with athletes for working on their plyometrics and wanting them to be like more explosive out of the gates and track or more explosive on the field. And so um, Fred Wilt, an American track and field coach, started noticing the Russians 
increased gold medals at the Olympics in the uh, 1960s and 70s and looked at their training um, practices and started implementing plyometrics with his own. So plyometrics became the name of this new form of exercise and all the U.S. sports teams and others around the world have put this into their practice. Now, plyometrics are, we kind of naturally, if you think about kids, kids are naturally doing plyometrics unless, you know, it's a modern day kid who's sitting on the couch or stuck in inside in, you know, the classroom. If you just were letting kids go out to play, what you see is they're, they're like little puppies. They're just like moving around. They get on the ground, they get up, they climb things, they hop, they jump. They're naturally putting this into their movement um, system. And by doing that, they're the body is evolving in this very balanced way because what plyometrics do is they involve different types of muscular contractions. And I've I've spoken of this before, but the different types of muscular contractions are um, concentric contractions, which are in, these are all the isotonic, meaning the same tension. Like you're not holding a weight or something per se, when you're doing this, but there is a shortening. The muscle is shortening. And then the eccentric is where the muscle is lengthening. And then there's this kind of in-between resting phase. And so what a plyometric does is it, it does these actions quickly. So there's a, what I would call a coil where you're getting the muscle shortening, and then there's a spring, and then there's a landing. And there's in that landing, there's muscle lengthening and controlling the land as well. So I, when I implement these in my classes, um, because it's so beneficial, it is working for all of those muscular phases where you're, you're loading the muscle and getting it coiled and ready. You're pushing off and getting it contracted to unload the body or get the hop. And then when you land, there is a control of the descent of the joints, right? So they're not, you're not just like landing with, um, without that control. And so the goal ultimately is to um, decrease the amount of time in between these movements so that you become faster and stronger in between the eccentric and concentric. So coil spring, coil spring, coil spring. And I often, in my classes, will use the example of like a basketball player. A basketball player, a really good one, if you watch when they're taking a shot or they're going for a rebound or they're going for, um, you know, any kind of um, getting the ball and going out, but especially in the jumping, they are coiling and then there's they're pushing off and springing. And the ones who are really effective are the ones who can, and I've seen it with, I, I remember talking about this in a geeky way with my my son's basketball coach. He, he loved talking to me about this because he knew that I was really into movement and being a physical therapist and kind of movement specialist. And and he would he would explain it in his terms. He's like, you know, the, the basketball players that are the best are the ones who spend as little time on the ground as possible before they you know, before they make a shot. So in other words, they get the ball, they, you know, they might be dribbling or something, but it's how quickly they coil and spring. So how they land, set themselves up, coil and spring, and and then take the shot. And so that is a form of plyometrics. And the goal to get faster and stronger is how quickly those movements 
that the time between those movements can happen. So plyometrics, there's lots of reasons, and this is definitely, I will say that this is definitely a more trendy thing now with different high intensity training exercises with CrossFit and all that. So CrossFit is, I mean, plyometrics is not necessarily a a really novel idea, but I think it's pretty novel in the yoga world, which is where I have obviously spent most of my time. But I have been doing plyometrics for many, many years. I would say, especially since doing the more non-traditional path that I've taken this last decade. And I remember some very quizzical faces when I would have people jumping or um, hopping. And and um, I I, I started doing it for a couple of reasons. So honestly, one reason I started doing it is efficiency for for myself. So what I would notice in the kind of pre-movement by Laura phase, movement by Laura would be like this method that I've developed. But when I used to do more classical vinyasa in the pre-movement by Laura phase, what I noticed is that it, I was spending a lot of time rounding out my movement um, practice. So... I would practice yoga for like an hour and a half. And then I would also feel like I needed to run or do something cardiovascular. And I think in what I was what I was feeling intuitively is I needed that feeling of bounce and I and I needed my heart rate up too. So I just that feeling of the yoga definitely gave got me stronger in some ways and it definitely got me longer in some ways, but it was I was losing out on some of the um, increasing the heart rate, the power, the this this real not power as and I feel powerful, but real like what is power? This mass acceleration for you know all these things, the physical property of power, like um, this explosiveness, this ability for the body to adapt and move in all planes and in all ways. So I started adding plyometrics, and I noticed that that and, and inversions were the two biggest things that really reshaped my practice. Besides just putting on my, what I would call the duh physical therapy hat, where I started analyzing things and like, why why are we trying to practice some of these poses? And that'll be a podcast for another day, the poses that I no longer practice. But when I, when I started putting my PT hat and when I started adding inversions, not headstands, handstands and forearm balances, um, and the pathway to them. That doesn't mean I did them right away or I would say you're going to get it right away, but the pathway to them, the work to find um, more balance in those poses and doing inversions and plyometrics with my critical thinking hat is where my practice really, really changed. So I am a big, big, big proponent of plyometrics. So let me tell you some of the reasons why plyometrics are great to do. The number one reason, I will tell you the very last. So these are all the other reasons and the number one reason I want you to think about what it might be. Some of the other reasons. Um, You are going to get more adaptable in your muscle, in your connective tissue, um, and in your neural firing you will become more adaptable because you are using the muscles in a variety of ways. And this kind of quick turnaround from eccentric to concentric to loading to springing is really important for that neural firing in your, in your brain. 
That's what neural firing is. And so for athletes, this is super important because this is going to keep them more agile, more conditioned, um, and optimize performance because of this. It's kind of a broad stroke um, increase in, in, in work all the way around. So they're really, really plyometrics are super effective at increasing this muscular power and responsiveness, which is also known as adaptability. So it's training these muscles to not only practice um, how to contract, but how to go from a slower contraction to a faster explosive contraction and not by long and repetitive motions, but by um, these, these ranges of eccentric and concentric. And it, what this has what people have found in, in studies is that the people that practice plyometrics um, within range, and I will say there are plyometrics that are probably going a little bit too extreme, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment, but they are preventing, they're preventing injuries when you practice plyometrics because you are loading the tissue, the connective tissue, meaning the muscles, the tendons, the surrounding tissue, and you're boosting the ability for them to work and work quickly. And that means fire quickly. So there's firepower, which is like when we try and get all the units firing as quickly as possible. And then they're firing more effectively and more responsively. And so that is that is when they're able to um, also handle kind of the, the good stress. So there's good stress and they're handling it well because they're getting loaded and then they're springing. So the more you practice plyometrics, you will not only have this explosive ability, but you'll also train your tissues to be stronger and more adaptable. And that makes them less um, likely to be injured. They, they become more resilient. And I've seen this in my own practice too. I used to have kind of, not chronic, but like, like just this, very grumpy, I'll say grumpy little Achilles tendon that would just kind of peak its ugly head up every few years if I would do like a, a run or something of some kind of weird movement. And it would just come and it would, it, it wasn't, um, it didn't s- sideline me, but it really bothered me. And um, this is when I was running, you know, and, and I was like, what is going on? Why does this just kind of creep up? And I was just not loading it effectively enough. I wasn't taking it through the ranges and increasing that that explosive power, you know, um, that you need in plyometrics. So running, you can just run, 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 and that can be kind of repetitive. But plyometric is more like you're loading it and jumping up, you know. So I wasn't doing enough of that. And um, when I started doing more plyometrics, I've had none of the that. Um, kind of nagging Achilles tendon thing that I did have even when I was running. Okay, so it can be prevented, it can prevent injuries for sure. Here's a caveat to that. We, when you, we know that when you load something and you're able to meet the demand, you get stronger. We know when you load something, meaning load, I'm talking like um, with more uh, weight, more demand of any kind, so say you go from a plank with your knees down to plank with no knees down, you're loading, you're putting more demand on and your body can 
and meet all these demands. And it might be challenging, but it meets it and you, and it's like a gradient. You increase, you increase, you increase. So in the physical therapy world, but also in the personal training world and other things, people will often talk about, you need to change kind of one parameter um, at a time. So in other words, you don't go to four days a week of doing something at 30 minutes at a time with a, you know, a lot of weight or a lot of intensity to it. You kind of ramp up the, it's frequency, intensity, time, time and interval, something like that. But you change one thing at a time. So with plyometrics, you start small. And so what I do is I say, I do a lot of, if you've taken my classes, um, and if you haven't taken my classes, you know, go onto my website and try the classes out because we do this on almost every class where I call them heel bops. And they're basically heel lifts where you lift and lower, pressing down into your metatarsals of your feet, especially, especially that first metatarsal. And then you lift and lower your heels and you can do it in bridge. You can do it in um, standing and you're just warming up the tissue around the plantar fascia into the Achilles and, and then everything in between from those, from those metal, metatarsals and phalanges. Um, all that tissue, all that connective tissue fascia comes up and then it thickens around the um, heel. And so when you get that ready, that's how, you, then you start the little spring from there, the little tiny hops. So you get better at doing that. And then your your feet get accustomed to that. And then your heels get accustomed to it. And then your calves get accustomed to it. And then you start making those bigger and bigger and bigger. So if I didn't necessarily do that. And then I went right into like CrossFit and did some huge box jumps and whatnot. That can be too much too soon, right? That could be a, like too big of a demand. Like I'm jumping way up, which is going to have, I'm going to have need a lot of explosion. And that explosion is coming from my, the floor into my feet, into my calves, into my glutes. And if somewhere along that chain, I haven't really properly introduced this concept of big movement, and a big um, amount of power, then um, I can you know, I can overly load the joints, specifically the knees, maybe even the ankles, and maybe the low back, and or I can overload the connective tissue, the fascia, and the tendons, and 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 cause that. So the only thing I'm saying is it can prevent injuries unless you overdo it. So you've got to kind of gradient, um, you know, gradient up accordingly. Um, it's going to also do something really interesting, which is it increases. So it's not only increasing your, uh, the strength of the muscles and tendon muscles, tendinous junctions where they, they meet each other, but it also strengthens your bone matrix. So this kind of there's a stress that is needed for for to, for us to grow and this is applies to emotional stress as well so i've spoken i've spoken of this as well i've spoken i've spoken of this as well emotional stress we grow if we didn't have any kind of stress on us there's a positive stress until it's not right but but to wake up tomorrow and be like, I have nothing to do. I have no deadlines to meet. I have nothing that I'm looking, you know, it's like, it would be pretty dull and you wouldn't be really inspired to kind of get stuff going, get organized, have plans, be methodical, you know, learn something, read something about whatever you might be doing. And 
But if then if it's too much and you can't handle it, if it's like too much work, too many things to research, not enough time, then that can lead into a a negative type of stress. So it's the same with your body. You actually need to stress the body for it to grow. And then when it's too much, like I was referring to with like, if you went too much too fast too soon, then that would be too much stress to the body. So this kind of stress on the bone matrix actually creates, like stimulates bone density. And this is, I've talked a little bit about this in other podcasts too, the stem cells, the osteoblast are are kind of signal to come and lay down more bone matrix when there's stress put upon an area. And so this kind of um, jumping, pushing off, landing, pushing off, landing, promotes bone matrix to be stronger. And this repetitive stress on this bone is beneficial. You know, and and again, it could be too much, right? So you don't want to like go right into jumping for an hour when you haven't jumped at all, but you start small and then you grow from there. And so it's really good for strength. It's really good for power. It's really, really good for injury prevention. And it's really great for the bone matrix. It's also cardiovascular. You will get a huge increase in cardiovascular demand as well because all systems have, are working hard, right? So it's it's like almost like lifting weights, how you when you lift something heavy, your heart rate will go up. And so it does put, it does help you um, get a nice cardiovascular boost for sure. So the last thing I will say that I just think is so magical about plyometrics, and this is like, I think the number one reason to do it, is that it is fun. It is joyful. And I often tell my people, and I will have people from 20 years old up to 70 year olds in my class. And I said, how often as adults are we encouraged to jump around, to hop up? Not much, right? There's nothing really in our life, unless you have some kind of odd job that does put this demand on you, that has this jumping, this kind of playful-like quality if we were just to watch kids on a playground. They're jumping, they're jumping down from things, they're jumping up on things, they're hopping around, they're jumping rope. And we do so little of it. And there's something super joyful about it. So let me tell you some plyometric moves that you can do that I incorporate in my classes. But again, I would just, if you're not sure for yourself, just um, go to my go to one of my classes or Google some plyometric moves and, and get going on your own. But here's a basic one I do. It's just a squat, uh, a squat jump or a jump squat, whatever way you want to think about it. Your feet are parallel, meaning they're like maybe a hip distance or a little bit more apart. And you just reach, you slide your hands down, your legs touch the ground, slide up. And what I usually do is have people do that and then start to really, on the way up, as they straighten up to vertical, come up on the balls of their feet. So that's just that preparation. So you go down, you go up and you do this for maybe a minute where you come up on the balls of the feet where the heels are lifting. And then you start adding the plyometrics. You go down, you touch down, and then you hop up. And then you go down and you hop up. And at first when you're doing this and you and say you haven't been doing this before, just really focus on 
the the spring and the coil and the landing lightly. So you want to kind of listen to how you land because you want the land to be almost as light, if not lighter than the push-off. And then once you've been doing this for a while, say you've done this for a couple of weeks or a week or two, and you feel really good about that, then you can start to think about like how quickly you can turn that over. Like you go down, you go up, down, up, down, up, down, up, like the push off, the push off, the really how little that basketball idea, like how little time can you spend on the down part to get back up? And this is just um, wiring your brain to learn to coil and spring and learn to adapt to those two different types of forms of contractions um, where you're shortening and lengthening and you're um, decelerating and uh, um, accelerating. So that's one thing, just that's a basic one. Now, another great one that I do is one-legged hops, which are much harder. So you can start just with one leg um, on the ground, say your left leg's on the ground and your right knee is up. And then you bend the left knee a little bit and then you rise up on your left toes. That already for a lot of people is going to be hard. So you could also start in a crescent lunge where your left leg is forward and your right leg is behind you. And then bring that right knee up and rise up on the left foot and then return to crescent lunge. So you're returning to two feet being down and a wider basis support. And then you keep doing that. But then as you've, you know, again, once you've gotten pretty familiar with the the kind of firing of what's happening, you push off of that big left toe. So you come into your crescent lunge or you can start from just the one-legged and you push off that left toe. So you're pushing off of just that left leg. This is more challenging because one-legged hops are obviously you're just pushing off one leg at a time and your tendencies to um, bias one leg or favor one leg one limb, one side of the body more will become very apparent. So that's another one. So you've got the one-legged hops and those can become like if you're outside, take it into a field and try skipping. So it's like skipping is basically a series of one-legged hops, but make it a very big skip. So you go down and up, down and up, down and up. So it's not so much just forward, but really down and up, down and up. So it's a series of these one-legged hops. Another one I do in class a lot are burpees. So you can just do a a plane, put the hands on the floor, walk back, and then walk forward again. A lot of times, just for the um, sake of emphasizing the plyo part of it, I don't go into the push-up part of it because what I really want people to do is do something different than what they normally do in yoga classes. And we do a lot of lowering already. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that plyo is so, um, it's much rarer in a yoga class. So I'd rather focus on the hop back, hop forward, hop up, like that real like burst up. Um, But just again, the hopping back and hopping forward is so good. And as I've said many times, there's nothing wrong with hopping back with your elbows straight. You just have to hold your core and you're putting more demand on everything there and it can handle it. So doing that is really lovely. There are other forms of plyo. You can do squats wider and hop up. You can, I also do, I'm, what's it called? I'm thinking side hops, skater hops. I love skater hops. Look, doing those lateral jumps side to side. But anything where you can push off and hop up 
and start small, focusing on the foot, and then really get up into the hip and get up into the return of the energy. So how quickly can you push off and and then from one side to the other, push off again? So that quick response and the, the least amount of time you spend on the ground becomes like the more advanced version in a way, because that's when you're, everything's firing really well and you adapt by being able to make this a quick turnaround. There is my lecture on plyometrics and the beauty of it. I love, love, love plyo. I think it's so important. And when people say, well, is this yoga? I say, hey, whether you're doing a burpee, doing a jumping jack, or sitting and meditating, if you are a nicer, kinder person in life, then it's yoga. That's the practice is what is it doing for you so that you can go out in the world and be a better human being. And so for me, for sure, adding plyo, and I've seen it in so many of my students, adding plyo has added such dimension to their own physical power, but their own power of being a better integrated person in their life off of the mat. So get moving and plyo it up, my friends. Hugs to you from me. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.